We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Wombo Combo. Another week here to talk plenty of Dota 2 and the competitive scene focus, of course, and excited to be here as always. I'm Breaky CPK and joined by my co-host, BSJ. How's another week free going, buddy? It's going good. Just uh, been apartment searching. I'm going to be kind of sort of moving to New York, I guess you could say. Like, uh, at least like we're doing the whole testing the waters moving together play here. Uh, See how it goes. It's just it's a huge move for me. Obviously, I'm from the West Coast, but uh, there's just too many beneficial factors, not only for potentially my relationship, but also my job. So I'm just like, well, at this point. You know, the hours are better for streaming, you know, all this kind of stuff. The ping's way better for playing. Uh, it's weird, man. I, I'm, so I've been going through a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. I'm like, I get off my stream and I'm like, I, I'm used to having my day be done. You know, uh, that's the biggest thing for me. And right now, that's just like not the case at all. So it's just <laughs> kind of like my my day almost starts like right when my, my stream ends. So it's getting that vibe where my stream's not actually my work anymore. All my other stuff that I have to make sure gets done is. So it's kind of it's kind of funny the last week or two. Well, you're going through that. My life is also uh, going through a little bit of interesting, a rough time, I guess you could say right now. Uh, my two and a, almost two-and-a-half-year-old, we're doing potty training, actually. Oh. So, yeah, talk about a rough life. I just got done life. with that last year. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting time, to say the least. No, but uh, no complaints here, ultimately. You know, a lot of things are going good, of course. But, uh, yeah, go, New York, I mean, New York's an interesting place to be moving to right now, especially with 
obviously the situation, but hey. Yeah, it's a bit weird, obviously, but sad. To, I'm not trying to be ignorant, but like you don't really feel like you have to go outside in a mask. But yeah. like I've been in New York when there wasn't this going on and the sheer volume of people outside is like 15% of what it normally is. Like there's just nobody outside. So I, I'm like staying safe. You know, we're trying to be taking precautions. Like every time I get back, I wash my hands and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like it doesn't feel much different to me because 90% of the day I'm just sitting in here <clears throat> talking to my viewers or whatever, talking to you, yeah. you know doing my normal thing so it's a bit strange in that way but it's also like you get better deals right now because <laughs> <laughs> hey. nobody wants to rent so Fair. uh it's like yeah there's there's positive negatives to both but uh Absolutely. try to be careful but at the same time uh it, to me i don't feel it that much so. all right well enough about you bsj we, we got yeah, plenty sorry. of Dota too to t- take it up the show here uh speaking of that actually we are going to be joined by a special guest it's been a little bit since we've had a guest on so uh, we're going to be joined by knoxville of course a statistician amongst many other things within the Dota 2 community so excited to have him on to talk uh, a couple of topics including the uh, the newbie situation if you haven't heard uh, there's there, there's a little bit of drama there we'll, we'll we'll discuss obviously everything going on there uh, and we'll also get his thoughts on the whole DMCA situation as well as we talked about last week so uh, but uh, before we have a mom we figure we would start with uh, the we play event uh, the top three of course is where we left off last week we gave our prediction Z fan and ultimately it it played out and well you know it's uh interesting uh, i guess is one way to put it where it didn't have maybe the finals matchup that uh that i definitely expected but i can't say you know it's we've been down this road before uh vp prodigy certainly looked like the better team in this series against team liquid and this is obviously a team that's had a i don't want to say a cinderella story necessarily obviously good players that we've known of before but uh certainly not a team we expect to see in the grand finals of the we play event so vp prodigy defeating liquid to face off against Secret, and then it did go three nothing favoring Secret in those grand finals in a you know fairly decisive victories, maybe outside of that game one, but game two and three especially, uh, pretty one sided Secret winning it all. But uh, that's how it played out. So your thoughts, BS John, how how it all went? Uh, I I, re- I emphasized this last week, and I made my bets jokingly saying Team Liquid was going to two zero VP Prodigy based on like the rest of this bracket. All I see is two O's. I see yeah. one series where a team took a game, like it was the 2-1 of Liquid over Alliance, every other series was 2-0 or 3-0 in the final. I don't, I don't really understand that. Like VP Prodigy, they were 6-0 against every team except for Secret, who they're 0-5 against, you know? So clearly um, either it's just this tournament where people online got the momentum or maybe lost motivation, but I would almost say like this patch almost seems like maybe there's a lot of rock, paper, scissors going on where like, certain strategies are just really good against others or whatever. So these teams like match up really well against certain teams, but match up very poorly against others. It just seemed like every time I watched a game, it was just like one team had the clear upper hand for whatever reason. Like it, it was different every single game, but I'm just like looking at them like every, every series, just two Oh, two Oh team secret, obviously took it convincingly. Uh, but VP prodigy, yeah, they're, they're the, like uh chicken fighters of ESL, you know, the chicken fighters in the uh, Viking GG of ESL. It's kind of coming out of nowhere. Obviously not unknown players, but relatively, uh, you know, since they were like, since we know the names, but since nobody, including myself had heard of VP prodigy, mm-hmm. it's just kind of cool. 
So yeah, absolutely. And of course, now that Chicken Potters team, now known as NIP, uh, of course participating in this event, and they themselves made it to the second round of the lower bracket. So solid follow up there to their. ESL event that they had, but yeah, you, you kind of wonder, I, I mean, the VP Prodigy squad, as far as uh, the being under the VP banner, there are, I believe ESL specifically, you know, it does have that rule stating uh, you cannot have the same team from the same organization, so it, it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I know OGC actually ran into the issue uh, with the previous event there, so if they do keep that name i guess moving forward as more events uh continue to happen as we we hope for of course in the near future that uh you know we'll we'll see if another banner comes about but again making it to the finals nothing to be ashamed of absolutely but yeah the top dogs team secret it's not only are they uh one of the expected top teams right now in the world still there's obviously nothing to say right there but you look at a couple of these other teams like og and eg for example they are having to play either with some ringers or a situation like og play with some mail from north america so it's they're dealing with some latency where team secret is just good to go you know they got their five-man roster and it really is no surprise to see them continuing to dominate uh, despite the times we are in so um, you know, big victory for them. I, I did pull up a Dota buff as well, just to take a quick glance to see how the event uh, played out when it when it came to heroes and everything. Uh, I believe this might include Division Two as well. Of course, that's that subdivision that took place uh, as well. And then the top two teams qualify for the next season uh, of this We Play League right here. But so take it how you will. But Grimstroke was the top played hero by a fair amount, eighty one matches overall, uh, sixty two being the next in line. On top of that, but yeah, Grimstroke, a 51% win percentage, um, being the most played. And then up from there, a couple of standouts. Mars had a 64% win percentage and being a top 10 picked hero. So he was certainly a king of the off That's surprising to me, to be honest with you. Like, I, I thought that hero got pretty significantly nerfed, and I've been seeing it feel underwhelming in all the pubs I've been playing. So that statistic alone is a bit weird to me. But uh, I could see in competitive, maybe his kit's still just really powerful. Maybe that's just what it is. Like, his ult just such a huge threat to play around sure um yeah i know boxy actually you know plays quite a bit for for liquid and again despite finishing third place that's still a solid finish and so they had some pretty good success and i'm sure part of that uh right there going down a little bit further uh, you know funny enough actually another one uh maybe like the 14th most played i guess in that range bristleback 37 matches a 29 percent win percentage Oof. it's always interesting seeing that those those numbers and you're like okay okay maybe overplayed that doesn't surprise me though okay so i was playing bristleback last patch and i was like wow this hero like he's a hero i like to test out in a lot of patches where i think he's okay and he felt just like i was like wow that like he just out of nowhere feels really powerful and then i watch and then I play on this patch, right? And there were games where I was like 10 and 0. And then the opponent carry just got a Scotty. And I was like, what now what? <laughs> now what? And I was like, you know, people were saying like the new Scotty, maybe it's just completely broken and everything. Um, I think it might be one of the biggest changes of the patch that I've seen play out. I thought it was a reasonably big deal, but there's like some heroes, maybe like Necro, who like they can ghost shroud you know he can avoid the scotty hits all the time but like when you're dealing with a bristle if you get scotty then you're trying to sustain with your you know vanguard abyssal blade whatever you're you're just gonna die <laughs> like you're you can't move you can't attack and you don't heal so i just feel like a lot of games are pretty reliably going later now which also hurts heroes like bristleback uh they've done a much better job i think with the pace of the game 
the overall like neutral item time shifts and uh, all the changes to like towers and all that kind of stuff, uh, like golden lane. I think the game is well balanced with how long the games go. And since more games are going longer, heroes like Bristleback that are really mid game heavy kind of fell off. Uh, so that makes that makes a lot of sense to me, and I think it says a lot about the meta too. So I don't want to go too much into that, but you know, make sure we don't delay our guests here too much. Yeah, yeah, I was actually just about to say. Uh, <laughs> think uh, we're getting to that point where yeah, it's we we, get, we got a guest. Let, let's be nice. Let's look to bring him on as far as uh, talk some. Some, some juicier topics, I guess you could say. So once again, secret winning it all is the gist of it as far as we play event. No surprises there. MVP Prodigy certainly um, a big finish for them, finishing as runner-up Liquid in third. So, uh, But uh, that will lead us into our next topic. And again, we'll wait for Knoxville to join us before we officially get this going right here. But man, oh man, talk about... Talk about news that uh, did not expect to wake up to, <laughs> to say the least. It's just one of those, you know, you, you open up your timeline as uh, my day starts. I open up Twitter, open up Reddit, whatever, you know, go through the daily routine. And I, I see this thing about, about newbie, and I'm like, I have to do kind of double t- Okay, so what is this about? Like, something about match fixing, potentially. And, oh, well, sure enough, it, uh, it, it, was, it was confirmed that... Uh, newbie is actually banned from participating uh, in Imba TV events, specifically as, as the title goes here. But they're no longer a member of the CDA, which is the Chinese Dota League Association, basically over there in China that represents all the top teams, pretty much for the most part. Um, and then on top of that, the evidence that was viewed upon and determined this outcome for these new this current newbie roster was actually sent to Valve. So uh, to be clear, they're not banned from Valve events technically right now. This is just the China focused events currently. However, being that it that's that's what happened and the evidence that has been given, it's a safe assumption that we're gonna be seeing a point in the near future that Valve will make an announcement on that. And you gotta assume it's gonna be uh, a lifetime ban for the five players that fill that roster. So, um, looks like we're still waiting for Knoxville to come on here. But uh, yeah. oh, he's here! Oh, oh. oh, hey, buddy, you there? How's hey, it going? Well, uh, yeah, very good. Thanks. Do you got a webcam by chance? Want to yeah, pop that on? Oh, Is it on? on? <laughs> Discord changed recently, so yeah, they rolled out the video to everyone, so you don't have yeah, to. I see him on video right now. Do you not see him? No. Oh, I see him right now. Yeah, that. So that I was like waiting for him to join this whole time and I didn't see it, but okay. Maybe like change webcam, maybe. Oh uh, no, no, no! I see you on the pop out, so I just need to figure out how to. Oh, oh, wait, nope. I clicked something bad. All right, editing issues. First try. Yeah, first try. I guess. God, it's like they. Yeah, they they had a patch recently on on Discord. I swear, that makes it so the video actually. It's like just fo- now. I have it focusing just on Knoxville, so now BSJ is gone. <laughs> eh, you know that, that nothing of value was lost. Right. Yeah. Anyways, Knoxville. So the news on newbie. We'll just let yeah. you uh, talk about this in the meantime. Like like I was saying with BSJ, so I guess you were on. I listened to that as well. What uh, What the hell was your reaction when you heard about this whole newbie situation? I was r- very very not surprised that the team got like banned. I was surprised it was newbie. Because there's been like a history of uh, allegations of match fixing. Like it's very hard to prove match fixing. Like even even in like the most famous case of match fixing in Dota, like Solo, he admitted to it. The most famous case in Counter Strike, they found evidence 
of it because they were able to liaise with CSGO lounge admins and they got logs and they worked out which users bet and how much and they were able to work out like, you know, IPs and stuff. But when it comes to all other forms of match fixing, unless you like admit it, it's very, very difficult to be 100% sure. Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised that Newbie as an organization would be so foolish to kind of let that one out the bag. But one has to say, in the wise words of Kyle and Zhao you know, like, they saw it coming. Everyone saw it coming. Yeah, and it's kind of a follow-up to that. It's We'd almost be naive, I feel like, and we'll, we'll, we can go further into this a little bit later on too, but we'd almost be naive to, to act like match-fixing doesn't happen anymore. It's... It's, it is, as you're standing there, Knoxville, it's one of those things, it is very hard to prove. You certainly need hard evidence. Now, to say it's it's happening with Tier 1 teams, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Where the fa- Newbie is, is no small organization. This is obviously a TI winning organization. They play on the team, of course, uh, winning TI in Faith. Moogie as the runner-up team for TI7. Two of these players that are now banned officially from these Chinese events. So that's, I think, the biggest takeaway from this, like, Okay, yeah, maybe match fixing tier three, two choosing whatever in some, in some regions or just whatever's going on there. But I, holy crap! I mean, this is newbie we're talking about, guys. I just want to yeah, say, mean, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say newbie aren't the same. Like they have big names, but they haven't been like they're not like the newbie from previous times. Like even within the Chinese pecking order, they are like not even definitely not top five, and debatably maybe maybe not top top eight before the scandal hits. And there's only so many slots that go to these international events. So if you're only playing local events, you're only getting these mediocre results, then it becomes very difficult for you to make a super reliable salary that some of these stars are used to. You think, like you said, they have faith, they have Mugi. These are players who've earned huge amounts of money. And now they're not a really big contender within China, not a big contender in the world. So, Part of me is like a little, like one percent compassionate towards them, Ugh. but for the most part, they match fix, so they should just get get screwed. I a lot of people don't actually remember this, but I was on Enemy GG like four years ago, five years ago, and I was actually against Elite Wolves, some of the t- pl- SA players that got permanently okay. banned for match fixing. I was the other team. I was in the <laughs> game when they got banned, so uh, like I can tell you from inside of a game albeit difficult to prove, you can feel when, like, it's just like in a pub. You can feel when your teammate isn't trying to win. You can feel when the opponent isn't trying to win. And that's why it's such a frustrating topic because a lot of people, you know they're doing it, like, especially if you're playing the game itself. Um, and you, you, it's a really good point you make that this type of stuff, like, to come to that, like, 100% confirmed conclusion that they have cheated or have fix the match uh that's the hardest part and for me i you know you said like they deserve to be banned like you you know you have a bit of sympathy but you at the end of the day they deserve punishment i'm like a zero per zero tolerance kind of person with this kind of stuff like i think the best thing about dota the most enjoyable thing about anything competitive it's kind of like playing poker for no money nobody cares like if there's nothing on the line. It's like, I if I watch a Dota game, I want to know that these guys are giving it their absolute all. And like the purity of the game itself, the beauty of the game is that people are 100% trying. 
if the guy loses, it's because the other team was just better at that given moment. There's no other reason. There's no bullshit. Like that is like that's the beauty of College the game. Sports. And I, yes. And I think that anything that jeopardizes that in any form of a competition, whether that's you know, regular sport, whether that's esports, is like the biggest threat to the game, the industry itself. Like I I I think it's disastrous to let anything go by. Like I think that's just like I think lifetime ban is the only solution. Like you have to treat these people like they have, you know, single-handedly tried to take your game out of existence. Like I think it is the worst thing you can do. So I, I have no sympathy at all. I, I, if you're in a rough spot financially in your life, I can respect that. You know, like honestly. But if you're on a team of newbies caliber, I assume you have some decent salary, and. Like some people get caught up in shit, but this isn't new, right? You guys have mentioned this has happened in history of sports and esports. There's, there's a what do you call that uh, precedent? precedent? There's precedent yeah. to this, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't new, and you have no excuses. You, it's not that you didn't know. It's not that you thought it might not be that bad. You know exactly what you're doing when you do this, and uh, I, I just it it you can tell it triggers me. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you both can tell I'm triggered, but. Uh, when I saw the news, like I was just like you, I'm like I can't believe it's like I, I. It's not surprising when I hear like Elite Wolves, a team I've barely ever heard of, yeah. but then when I hear it from a team that like you know has been an organization at least that's been in numerous TIs, you know, and uh, that to me is just mind boggling. Yeah, it's it is there is that fine line because I, I am with you there in Knoxville that I, I, and I've thought it in the past that in the past fan and smash specifically with the whole, uh, the elite wolf situation, you know, a younger guys to an extent, their financial situation, maybe not the best of the time. It's, it's, it's understandable how somebody can get trapped up yeah. in this idea of somebody coming to you be like, Hey, you know, you want to earn some money on the side. You think it's foolproof. Nobody's going to figure out, but um, that yeah, but the moment you do it, you've crossed the line, and yeah. you're just done. You, yeah. You're you're completely done. I mean, it's also uh, DDZ. It's like such a talented player it happened to him in the whole Arrow Gaming situation. Like he was, he was like his tinker was like unbelievable. Like people thought he was cheating. Normally, when that happens, the person is either cheating or they're really fucking good. And yeah, I I, I just couldn't believe that. So many people will just get caught in such a, a way. But I mean, that's the thing also is we're not, no one's a hundred percent sure everyone on newbie was in on it. Like BSJ said, when you're playing against it, it's actually very easy to detect. Like you can feel that there's something a bit weird, but you can't always put your finger on it. You can't always say, ah, this person or this whole team. Um, there was another case in China that happened uh, two years ago, which was uh, in a lower division. It was, Rock Gaming versus Ulrika in DSPL, which is like the second tier of DPL. And in that investigation that happened by Mars TV, uh, only two, three players of Rock and two from Ulrika were banned and for life, and the other two were given a two-year ban. Uh, and that actually, it's quite funny, is like right around now, like a couple of weeks ago, was the like time in which their, their two-year ban would be revisited. Oh. So I wonder what, wonder <laughs> what the, what's going to happen to them given the current information. But yeah, that's another case two years ago that happened. And they were kind of well-known, not newbie level, but they were yeah. like doing mediocre to okay in the second tier of Chinese server. So not too far away, uh, if you think about it. Yeah, 
so just to be clear as well, so you're talking about as far as, you know, I, I remember seeing a post, again, at the time it was what, maybe like three months ago or so, about the somebody calling them out in, in a Reddit post. Somebody called out the possibility that something was fishy here, etc. I have a post up right now. It was Avon Girls is the other team. D- do we have conference? Yeah, that was in the Starletter. That was Starletter Minor, and there was no outcome. That was the one Zhao Eight said... If this is not match fixed, I will eat yeah. poop on my stream. That's like the famous one. Uh, yeah. So we don't have. We, do we have confirmation on what what it was? If this was it, or if it's something else? I mean, I, I've looked at, uh, at this at this evidence, and obviously a lot in, in Chinese, so I don't know what to make of it in that sense. But um, I don't know. Yeah, that, that kind of raises the secondary points in this whole thing. It's like, who's doing the investigation? Do we trust them? Like. Will this ban carry on in other events? Because the CDA is like a Chinese cartel that controls which Chinese teams do or don't play in the top league of tournaments. And it was recently formed. Like there was like a partnership with like a CDA and DPL to form one league with all the teams in during the Corona issue. Uh, I think it was only formed tech like officially a couple of weeks or months ago. But there's been like a W. PCA, which is like the overall ACE, is like the overarching body that handles Dota in China. Like, who is this body compared to Valve? Like, they're not the publisher. They're not perfect, well appointed. Like, who are they? Yeah, it's that. that that's a that's almost another discussion again to be had. But it, it does bring up, like, I guess the, the next kind of question, the topic of again, this is just CDA right now. They're banned from their events, etc. But the evidence has been sent to Valve. You know, what is Valve going to do with that? So you you, you almost got to kind of want it to that point, Knoxville. That's actually interesting. Again, this is all theorized and like kind of just wondering about possibilities. But maybe it w- cause is it possible that there's some bias against newbie from this said organization with the CDA that led to this quote unquote investigation and this evidence being brought up and then eventually this ban. Now, obviously, if they have evidence that is you cannot dispute, then of course, the the punishment is worthy, but you do gotta wonder: is that at least a possibility out there? And and how is Valve gonna take this in now and go about taking care of the situation? Because this is very fragile for them. We're, again, we're talking about a previous TI winner. This is gonna be a black eye on Dota two and Valve as well if they ultimately have to come to this conclusion. Yeah, I mean, one of the best ways of being able to um, maybe not conclusively one hundred percent prove, but prove beyond a reasonable doubt when match fixing occurs is looking at like how the how the benefits occurs and that's primarily through gambling so one of the ways in which uh, match fixing has alerts have been generated in the past has been where reliable international bookmakers collect evidence on bets and they're able to see like a trend that is completely wild like in the same way that you would detect credit card fraud you see these wild anomalies on betting pattern by specific people in specific unusual circumstances, and they happen to get it all right. And over a, like a large enough sample or certain circumstances, this has triggered alerts before, which have been sent to Valve saying, hey, it's probable that there was match fixing in this tournament. And this is when I say this tournament, I mean like every type of tournament, tier one tournaments. We have the Avangirl situation is like the only one that's like super well known. Uh, beyond the scripting circumstance, which is not betting related, 
uh, but yeah, there have been a variety of situations where reports, quote unquote, have been sent to and basically there's been no action. Yeah. So either the data isn't conclusive enough or Valve is unwilling to look at conclusive or relatively conclusive data and make an actual decision because, it, as you say, creates this like black eye effect on Dota 2 as a whole. It's just, I'm trying to think of like the possible scenario here that Valve comes back and is like, we're not banning them. You don't have enough evidence. And then it's like, wait a second. So they're banned from CDA, yet they're not banned from Valve. How will that look like? How will that work? So I, it's that, that it really is going to be something to see how Valve goes about this. I, let's be frank. It is Valve we're talking about. And that almost will segue us into our next topic shortly here. But they are not known for being very quick and, you know, being very open as far as what they're thinking or what's going on behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, there's so many one possibilities. To, so one thing to also note is that not in the case of individual team match fixing, but in terms of tournaments in which there are match fixing people involved, one has to have good respect for Liquipedia, who now, like, before they even list a tournament, that's like, you know, like a minor tournament or, you know, is it professional, isn't it professional... They're actually doing like tournament vetting to make sure that all of the information that they represent on their site is of like a legitimate tournament. So they have teams that are highly suspected of match fixing or teams which like there was one tournament I remember seeing an argument where the previous season had 15 players playing for one team. They just bring in ringers every time they want. So it's like yeah. impossible to uh, predict what's going to happen and they're just disguising the match odds every time like they played a one match had like a 3k player playing mid, you know, and then it completely disguises the facade of this like lying about who's playing and is it match fixing or are they just bringing in bad people to play? You know, that uh, I have big respect for Liquipedia just saying, nope, if you want to have news your own to me, I've never even heard of that, but that's next level shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's mostly tier three tournaments and it's mostly in the regions where there's like a relatively big gambling culture and li- little regulation. So the ones that I've seen recently, I'm not trying to like name call anything. I mean, NA is dead. Uh, but it's mostly SCA, China, and CIS, where I've seen tournaments listed in the last while and just, nope, we're not going to list your tournaments. If you want us to list your tournament, we want Steam IDs of all the players. We want the rosters. We want to see your rules. We want to make sure there's no like sneaky way you're just going to bring in another team. So... Yeah, I think it's been a very reasonable situation uh, hmm. that they're doing in, in fighting this, combating this. Yeah, no, that, that's actually really good to hear. So, uh, to props to Yeah, and also, like, bookmakers rely on people like Liquipedia as, like, a yeah. neutral reference site. So, it's like it's like not having, not being able to advertise for your site in many Yeah, no, Liquipedia is obviously, we would all agree, I'm sure, is, is an amazing resource to have. For I, I know when I, when I came into the scene three and a half years ago or so, I was uh, trying to be, become a commentator in Dota 2. It's the first place to start. I'm like, holy crap, there's all this information that's here. I can catch up so easily and just see every day matches going on, etc. I can see whose birthday it is today if I really cared about that. So, you know, Liquipedia is great for that. What's um, my birthday, Brittany? I mean, I could, I could look it up right now if you <laughs> really want it. I'm That's the point. That. You can just look it up. Exactly. <laughs> There's no shortage of action going on in our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, esports, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. 
where you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls horse Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they would call After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in a discreet package. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping, again, B-L-U-E-CHU.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Um, anyway, so, yeah, the, again, this newbie situation, it's, it's still, it's obviously, this is not the last time we're going to talk about it, because we're, I, hopefully sooner than later, we'll, we'll hear development on it, but um, we'll have to wait and see what Valve concludes on uh, with it, so... Um, let's move on to the, the next topic that I wanted to bring up uh, once again to have you on Knoxville. I know that you had some opinions on this as well. The DMCA situation that took place a week, and, week or so ago with We Play, of course. And uh, BSJ and I, we, we had our own discussion on last week's show, actually about his day or so after it happened uh, live there. But um, a little bit more time has passed. Anyways, point is... The DMCA happened, and now it brought up once again. And every couple of years, every year or so, we, we go through this. Obviously, VSJ is very familiar with it too. But well, what, what were your thoughts on We Play throwing out the DMCA and any right there? Or what, what about this whole situation? Uh, well, I think this is actually a pretty simple case that definitely shouldn't have DMCA'd. Uh, Valve were quite clear that even if people are infringing on or breaking the rules breaking the law, then doesn't matter. Valve are the only ones who will issue DMCAs. So WePlay ignored that and they DMCA this like this person. And I think what was kind of weird was it seemed quite malicious. Like there were multiple people who were doing it. But the person they went after was like this guy with a pretty small following who they thought was like so small that they could bully and get away with it. Uh, but big enough that they went through the effort of filling in the DMCA form. So... Uh, they lost a lot of respect in my eyes for doing that. Uh, I actually like never had heard of this guy before, and in the end, I was just like, "They this for for this guy, he's earning money through his videos. He's doing commentary. He's got he's casting for a language which has got you know relatively few coverage options, and he doesn't have like fifty different big streamers, <laughs> and he seems to be a pretty liked person. Like spoke to some of my some of my friends in South America and they said, yeah, this guy's a really nice guy. So it's also like, not as, I don't know if his primary income, but he does earn money on his YouTube videos that he posts later. So it's like significant income for him. And, uh, he just loses that for a couple of days because of them. So I respect for, for we play. 
Yeah. Kind of dicks. <laughs> One way to put it, sure. Yeah, it's as as much good as they dump in the scene. Again, as I said last week, it's this was certainly something where you're kind of like, really, guys, that's that's pretty messed up. Because no matter what you think about the ruling, it is the rule according to Valve. So to go out of your way to do that, absolutely the wrong move on their part. So that does lead us into the next part, though, on, okay, whether or not, yeah, obviously we all know that that was wrong of them. Um, what does Valve do now? They're going to revisit this once again, maybe? I mean, we think they are because of everything the, the stick that was brought up. How do you feel about the situation, Oxford? You've worked behind the scenes yourselves. You, you've been there with TOs and know what they're going through. Do you think that it needs to be reevaluated? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of like one of those everyone has an opinion type of situations. Uh, I immediately discount the tournament organizers who would be crying about this because for them, you know, they, they're like obviously fighting for more money. They want more money, capitalism, haha. And then at the same time, you have streamers who, for them, they're claiming that they're providing massively to... Um, to the scene, which in many cases they are, totally. But they're also claiming that them watching a tournament is, is not stealing any viewers, like no viewers are leaving the tournament to watch them. But if that's the case, why don't they just stream their own games? If they're, if they're literally saying it doesn't matter what they stream, it makes no difference, then they should just stream their own games. They should just play pubs. They can't have it both ways. Like It's, it's irrational to... To have both views at the same time that they are doing nothing bad, but you know they're also doing it because they want to do it, and yeah. So I think that the streamers' perspective is also just outright skewed. I personally think that tournament organize. Well, I personally know that tournament organizers don't make a lot of money. Um, a lot of them have gone bankrupt. A lot of them have gone bankrupt owing me money. Uh, but for the most part, I think. Yeah, tournament organizers get a pretty harsh deal, uh, harsh uh, opinion and view from the community, and most of them don't make a lot of money, and they're risking a lot of money to be involved in Dota 2, and they want to make long-term goals out of this, and those are the people we should be incentivizing to stay in the scene. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I guess one, one almost to play devil's advocate on that, and, and my personal opinion too, is that. The idea that, you know, TOs are going to be leaving the scene because of this current situation and how it stands where anyone's allowed to cast and stream the games or whatever. Haven't we been saying that? I mean, this has been a feature in the game since really the beginning, you know, five plus years or so. And yet here we still are having TOs heavily involved in one could argue the scene is as healthy as it's ever been. Obviously, the current situation is, is definitely making it a little bit awkward, but... Our last TI, for example, you know, we had yet again the biggest prize pools, despite people suggesting, oh, it's finally going to go down, etc. So, is is it really something where we need to be here worried as a community that, oh, TOs are going to leave us? What is your thought? Uh, I think, like, obviously from the community perspective, it's like the same rationale as if there was a website that had unlimited movies. You're like, I don't care about the legality, I don't care about whether the people who run the site go bankrupt, whether the studios go bankrupt, screw those fat cats. I'm getting to watch Pirates of the Caribbean or <laughs> like whatever, you know, like it's, it's, it's kind of a selfish perspective by a lot of the people. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can talk about some of the big TOs. MLG left Dota 2 like very early on, just didn't find it sustainable. Uh, who else is like super big? Valve obviously makes profit on 
their big events, but that's because they have uh, crowdfunding to supply the. Um, I would think, I mean, like ESL, I would think has like a really good sales department. I would think that they make a small profit or break even on some events like Mumbai. I would think they uh, maybe probably made a loss because of the time zone and the teams pulling out so close to it. Uh, Starladder, there's been, obviously there's been reported rumors of them being in huge financial problems in the past. Um, DreamHacks, similar to ESL because they're both owned by MTG. So they have huge financial backing to support them. So even if they lose money on events, they're kept as like a huge asset. But ESL and DreamHack, but mostly ESL, went through multiple restructurings of staff to try to become more profitable because that's what their uh, owner, MTG, said. Uh, who else is there? There's, there's a lot of new companies coming in that are like branded. Like this Gamers Without Borders, this is a bad example, but I'm just going to say anyway. Gamers Without Borders was like produced by ESL. So it was like an ESL branded event, but it's separate. Epicenter lost like, let's say a million dollars or something on their first tournament. They were like bringing cats in so that the people, the players who could wanted to pet a cat could pet a cat. Like, I didn't hear about that. You know, yeah, that, that was like wild stuff. That. You know, like whatever it. you want, we'll bring it in. You know, we'll do it. <laughs> and apparently they lost, from what I heard, like close on a million dollars. And the next event was a lot you know, they cut back, they changed a lot of their team and they wanted to keep it a lot more profitable. A lot of people, like, I, I think I said this in a Reddit comment, there's only a few types of people left in the Dota scene. There's the TOs who are, like, super passionate. They're willing to operate uh, an event even at a loss, like Captain's Draft or Midas Mode or something like that. You know, like, they don't, they just care about the community and they care about the game. So they're willing to do this out of, like, their own love and passion for the game. Then there's like the TOs who have got good backing or and they want to just like invest and hope that the money comes back to them. And unfortunately, sometimes this just doesn't work out. Like GSC, just like, whoo, crash. Um, and then there's other tournament organizers who've got backing and they've got, you know, they're big companies and they, they're just totally okay with it. Like ESLs, uh, DreamHack. I mean, I would say like, yeah, there's a few tournament organizers you might recognize who like make a profit and they do a very good job at keeping their costs down. But for the even those people, like PGL, there's a brilliant job. The production value they provide, there's a reason that Valve has partnered with, had partnered with them a few years ago to produce in-game for TI and the majors. Like, they do such a good job. But, you know, I mean, they're not making, like, 20% profit on their investment of money they're putting in. They're, they're making, like, a reasonable, smallish amount, and they're just letting the system grow. Not many people can do that. Yeah. And, sorry, in summary, a lot of tournament organizers would, would love to get involved in Dota 2 and would have a long time ago if the scene is different. And that's what people aren't like measuring. When they're just saying, oh, well, we don't see tournament organizers leaving. It's like, well, how many have you seen that join? Fair. Uh, that's right. The, the end situation here, in, in my mind, I see it, it can go one of two ways. Either... Valve flat out says, no, we're standing by the, the rule we made two years ago with that, the same situation. They're, they're able to cast it as long as they follow these guidelines, stop DMCAing, people, you idiots. Or they completely change it to where they disallow people in the client itself to actually spectate. Like, I think that's the other only realistic option here. No, I don't, I don't think that's true. I, I mean, 
So the, the the way Counter-Strike does it, which is also a Valve title, it has a different set of rules, and it's basically uh, the tournament organizer for an event is able to decide how streaming rights are allocated, but the demos are available, and you can spectate in the client, and you can't stream at the same time, but you can still do things. So what, like, you can make content afterwards, like educational content, etc. So what, what I think is possibly a, an okay approach would be if Valve says for a tournament, as part of their tournament license, you're, you have total exclusive rights for from when the game ends for 24 hours, and you can you can do whatever you want. You can sell the rights for Russia to main cast or you have. You can intentionally choose to not sell the Portuguese rights if you want. You know, you can choose all these different... You can sell it up as if it were a sporting event, but 24 hours after your event ends, it's, it's public domain. Everyone can go wild with it. And it has to be streamed via Dota TV. So even if these people are streaming it, and they're streaming it to Twitch or to YouTube, you can DMCA it because it's against the rules. So the rules will just say you have an exclusive right for the tournament for 24 hours. And I think that that is such a reasonable compromise. Huh. Anyone who wants to make, make educational videos can just do so, but they can't do it within and 24 hours. is an arbitrary time. It could be 12 hours could be any amount of time but and this well, is what happens in traditional sports a lot of traditional sports do this yeah uh, again that, making that comparison sure they sell broadcasting rights for a reason but um okay so no, no so, i'm talking about live i'm talking about live versus not live so oh, like okay. whenever there's a big big sporting event in certain countries like south africa is a good example there'll be like a cable version like super sports is the south african version and you can watch all the games live as they're happening but Three hours later or four hours later, they'll start a run on uh, like free to free to air TV where you can start watching the cricket or the rugby delayed or the Olympics delayed. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's that is interesting compromise. I guess as you put it, but at the same time, I I don't even know if that's a compromise really because yes, you're talking about content creators of like educational videos, etc., which would be nice. But let's be honest, the people that that would affect the most, would be pissed off the most, are your your grand grands, your your bulldogs, and that that doesn't help them, right? They're not, they're not going to cast the match 24 hours later after the fact and results are out. So, I, but, I, but remember, remember, Breaky, it doesn't matter what they're streaming; they get the same amount of views, so <laughs> shouldn't affect them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, BSJ, you, you've been quiet for a while. Any uh, any questions yourself for Knoxville or anything to add? I guess my question would be that I I agree for big streamers, it's a problem. I think I I don't think exceptions can necessarily be made. Like I don't think you can say like, hey, if you have more than this many viewers, you can't stream it or whatever. That that obviously wouldn't sure. work. But I do think. Like, I'm not saying I disagree necessarily. What I am saying is that um, I see this situation as like if tournaments have like this exclusive right, how do like new casters come up? Like, is it just you think that doing this content a day later and like trying to get noticed on YouTube or something could work? Like, I just think there has to be some other answer. Do you know what I mean? Like, there has to be some other option for new content creators to be able to a crew of following of, of some sort, because I'm not saying that it would be good for the scene to leave as is. I, I, I totally like hear Kyle's argument and I hear that, like, I know tournament organizers don't make money. Like I've, I've been in 
after you go to enough tournaments and stuff, you kind of like hear behind the scenes yeah. discussions and stuff. Um, I obviously want nothing more. Just kind of like Kyle in the sense that like I want the Dota scene to stay alive. I think it's a beautiful thing in general. Um, and I think aspects like this can be amazing. Like they can be great for the scene. The fact that anyone can broadcast anything. But I personally do have an issue. Like yesterday I was watching or I just tuned on Twitch for a second and I saw the charity stream or whatever. And I saw the mainstream had 20,000 views and Gork had 17. And like to uh, me, he, that they well, were actually official partners of the events, mm-hmm. Bulldog and Gork. And I, I think they sponsored all the money they Oh, really? The, yeah. So oh, yeah, technically, that's yeah. different. That, then. I didn't actually know that. For me, I was yeah. just like, holy shit, this event's like getting robbed. Oh, that's what like, I thought. Okay. I, I, it's, it's for me, it's like, I don't actually have a problem with the big streamers, right? Like, like I, w- I want to be clear when I say when I call out a big streamer, it's like it, it, the only reason I'm mentioning them specifically is because they are a big streamer. Like for me, back when I was asked about this, I was actually somebody that asked about the decision originally. My argument was like I'm stealing 200 viewers, and I'm just trying. Like when I say stealing, you know, like I'm taking 200 viewers from the stream, and they just want to watch me for my educational content, and it's my only way to get it out there. And I really don't think I would have been able to get that content out there like a day later. Nobody's gonna watch it. Like that's what I've, I've seen quite a lot of like, uh, I think more recently I've seen a huge amount of content, which is just not live and it's still really good quality. Like Slash's way was always after the fact there's uh what's his name from, I've forgotten his name from Brazil. He's like a Bowie. Yeah, you know, he makes educational videos, you know, after the, there's the immortal, uh, mortal faith guy who does uh, like summary videos and he takes them through and by delaying it by a certain period of time doesn't mean that you can't even prepare it just means that you could prepare during that time and edit your content so that when your content goes out it's being viewed and competing with the other content that is all delayed or you could get permission from for example if you wanted to do an educational stream you could also just speak to the organizer and you say, hey, I've only got 200 things, and it's their decision. Otherwise, they say, nah, you have to pay us money, or nah, we don't want you. You just say, okay, cool. And then 12 or 24 hours later, you you can just put out your content. I agree. I think there are very few number of casters who got their break uh, through like the basically casting one game, competing with the stream, and going wild. I actually wrote this on Reddit and three people replied and all three of their replies were wrong. The funniest one was Odie Pixel, who'd been casting for like a huge amount of time and his like breakout game, breakout game, was that three and a half hour game, which he was like the official caster with Purge for. So, yeah. yeah. I think people have kind of got like, um, what's the what's the word called where you like uh, intentionally, like, remember the wrong... Th- it's like the Mandela effect. I know exactly it's, what you're talking about, and I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> yeah, there's this, like, Mandela effect, which is, like, the, the like, a shared belief that Mandela died in completely the wrong year. And it's, like, an international phenomenon. So, yeah, like, people just have this, like, complete distorted memory of, uh, of how things happened in the past. I think it's very rare, and I think almost always the person just carries on grinding until they make it. Mm-hmm. And they become the official coverage. And there's lots of tournaments where there's room for official coverage. 
Like yeah. Decop is an example. He just started grinding Chinese games. No one was yeah. costume English. He said, I'll do this. No worries. And if there were more people, they would divvy the games up and it would be like, there's always routes to, to getting somewhere and adding a small barrier like this, I think also protects the scene so that it will be there by the time you've ground your way to the top. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, at the end of the day, if they want to revert it and change it back, I'm not going to be super upset about it. I think it's a cool thing to have in the scene, but I also think it's not cool if it's going to kill the scene. Like I, I or even potentially, like if it could have a potential negative effect, which all the things you've presented, all the things I read in like Kyle's article and stuff, like it seems reasonable, you know, like it, it's reasonable to me. And I think the big deal about it is the people that are benefiting for the most part from being allowed to stream the games, they just don't have to. I think that's really the big emphasis that I heard from your argument is like they'll get that many viewers doing whatever the hell they want. You know, like it doesn't matter. So it's not like it's their only option. I don't think there's a single person out there that watches games live and makes a living off of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's like their sole purpose. So for me, Grant Grant, like, well, he 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 mainly makes it from casting pubs. Like he actually is just watching I mean, pubs. Yeah, like, that, that's I thought he, he I thought Grant Grant made his money from making stats quizzes on Reddit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, well, it's a lot it, of different ways. That's, that's a reasonable theory as well, but you know, <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, just, it could also every yeah. tournament is also totally free to just like bring on these big streamers. So they want to make it like collaborative. They can enable certain options within Twitch to make it like you know squadable or whatever, and you can like everyone can just co-stream the tournament. If they want to do that, that's up to them. It, like, no one really does that at the moment. It's just yeah. big streamers who are making, like, literally huge amounts of money. Like, not like yeah. pocket change, like huge amounts of money, are viewing it as just an easy way to, not, I'm not going to say 40%, but, you know, just maybe get more viewers or cast something that they're going to be more YouTube videos and highlights about because it's a tournament game and it's being cast by a celebrity. You know, that makes it like... I mean, that's that is ultimately what some people's argument boils down to is I, if I'm watching Dota and I can watch someone like Kyle and BSJ do some commentary or I can watch Ja Rule and Snoop Dogg, I'm going to take Ja Rule and Snoop Dogg. And it's like, you're never ever going to be able to... What are you trying to say here? No, I'm yeah, well, I'm sorry. I have to ask what ja, ja Rule has to say about this. But yeah, like, there's no one that you're going to, within the Dota world that you'll be able to put up that will beat Ja Rule and Snoop Dogg. But that yeah. doesn't mean that Jar Rule and Sleep Dog should like swoop in and, and do this. So, yeah. I agree. I agree with you on that. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And as people are, as somebody's even bringing up a chat, you know, the, the TO should, should just invite them to the event. I mean, that's, that that's a, the, the money that they would cost to get them to the event, I'm sure the ask would, would be pretty damn high for good reason and so then that's that's a whole other bag of worms and are you really getting then enough viewers in return enough viewership whatever that's 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 something to look at too but but to your point Knoxville that you made and I 100% agree is that you don't need to do that even just work just collaborate with them online and be like all right we know that you're gonna you're gonna come to our game we'll even pay you this much to at least put the sponsors on your stream during it or something along those lines to to make sure at least there's some working relationship with them but um, I can't say this for sure, but it feels like uh, instead a lot of the time, kind of like this WePlay situation, the the TOs are just they're, they're like 
busy being angry at them rather than trying to actually make the best of the situation and figure something out is I think the, the biggest conclusion to make. So, yeah. yeah Anyways. Uh, yeah, no, we, we've been, uh, we've been going on about this topic for a while. So I think, uh, it is a time to wind it down, but, um, yeah, no Knoxville really do appreciate having you on, man. Uh, definitely some good conversation. We'd love to have you on again in the future. If you, you want if another yeah, big, sure. big drama oh, comes up now you know you know, <laughs> yeah just, just in case it's a no you know. no it's Sorry. just be nice you know via discord later yep yeah okay <laughs> i know what you. that means i know what that means uh knoxville uh, any shout outs before we let you go though no just shout out to all the wonderful people on the dirty community and best of luck for your birthday in two weeks psj thank you sir all right, so Knoxville uh, joining us. Thanks again for joining us. We'll uh, we'll catch you around, man. Cool. Cheers. All right, so uh, we do have uh, something else to uh, to go over before we officially wrap up the the show for today. Let me make sure it actually looks good. Before I go back to the main screen, boom, good enough. There we go. All right. Um, yeah. So that was Knoxville again joining us. Uh, definitely, he's 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 just one of those guys, kind of that you know behind the scenes that that's always good to talk about. And he, he's been following Dota two for a long time, and uh, certainly has a lot of uh, connections as well. So good to get his uh, input on a couple of these hot topics as of late, of course, and what what's going on in the the Dota two world. Um, but that does lead us into our final segment, essentially, to, to discuss. Uh, there's currently the Dota Pit is actually going on for uh, European region. Let me actually pull it up right here. The European slash CIS region is uh, a $150,000 prize pool. So it does involve uh, 10 teams, including top dogs like OG, VP, Team Secret, etc. Uh, started up, it's actually going to be day number four of the group stages next week. Uh, there's five days total, and then it goes into a double elimination bracket. Uh, point is, that'll lead us into our midnight segment. We're going to talk about some uh, some odds here and give our take on how things are looking when it comes to set odds. So uh, our, we, our, um, <laughs> our OGA Dota PID 2020 predictions are brought to you by Midnight.com. If you're from the UK, then remember to sign up with the code WOMBO to get uh, 20 euro in credits when you're or 20 pounds, excuse me, in credits when you bet 20 pounds on Dota 2 and support the show. And before you're we give exactly, well, yeah, it's funny to say. Um, before we get into the actual segment, here's this commercial for you guys. Check it out and then we'll uh, we'll get into it. There we go. So again, midnight.com, check it out. Um, we got four matches that are set to happen tomorrow. Some pretty good ones. Uh, kicking it off will be Hellraisers versus Viking.gg. Uh, it does have the odds favoring Hellraisers, 1.68 for Hellraisers to 2.06 for Viking.gg. So, you know, fairly close, uh, really. Again, the favors being uh, Hellraisers right there. Those odds uh, sounding pretty good to you as far as what you'd be looking at there. I honestly haven't seen too much Hellraisers. I watched a bit of them in the in the ESL one tournament, but I thought Viking GG looked pretty solid. So all things considered, I I would feel like 
this would be a really even series. So it's interesting to me that it's a bit favored for Hellraisers. If if I had to go before like the draft or anything, I'd probably I'd probably lean towards my money on a uh, Viking GG there, but you know, obviously liability things, you know, <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, we're not saying go hundred percent do it. Take that do as it. you will. We're, we're giving our opinion and uh, certainly you can do with that as you wish. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm a little bit on the opposite side. I'm not surprised to see Hellraiser's necessarily the, the favorites there again. It is very close. Hellraiser's did come is coming off a decent We Play event. They did finish uh, five and one in their groups and uh, see they were actually the top dogs in the CIS region going into the playoffs before their disappointing performance in the playoffs. So uh, there is reason to believe that uh, they could bounce back from that. But I at the same time I I am, I am actually with you in terms of a betting man. I th- like the odds actually for Viking.gg. So um, yeah, I think they're they're pretty good to. To go with them, certainly a victory could come out there for them. So, um, all right, that goes to our next match. This is a pretty big one: OG versus Alliance. Uh, OG is one point six two to Alliance is two point one six. Um, of course, it is very it's noteworthy. Keep in mind, OG they are playing with Samil uh, for North America, dealing with the latency right there. But with that in mind, uh, OG is still a favorite, maybe a little bit close. But what do you think? I think that one's pretty accurate. I would have a tough time making a call based on those odds, like what team I would prefer to to bet on. Honestly, I think OGs, despite all the handicaps they're playing with, is just the better team. But I also think Alliance, because they are like a newer roster with a newer captain, that their results are relatively high variance. So I don't necessarily like putting my money on either side of those type of series (laughs) where I'm like, I I feel like the potential of OG is heavily swayed upon – the handicaps and i feel like you know alliance on a really good day can look unstoppable and on a really bad day kind of just looks kind of mad so uh it's hard it's hard to say for me personally alliance a team that's uh, obviously went through some roster changes more recently but uh, starting to find a groove a little bit you'd figure i i think this is potentially an event where you know start start shining through so Maybe I'm just liking betting on the underdog uh, so far in this segment, but I actually like the odds for that favorite alliance in this. Bias caster or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you want to call that, I'll, I'll take it. But we'll see uh, We'll see what happens tomorrow and when I happen to be right there. Uh, leads us into the next one. Speaking of bias caster, Team Liquid versus Virtus Pro is our next matchup. So now Liquid is <laughs> Liquid is. Pretty good favor. They're 1.57 to 2.26, so that means I'm definitely going VP. No. Um, yeah, it's look with the favor here. This is our biggest uh, gap so far, I guess you could say. That we had, man. That isn't that something that we're talking about. Liquid's a decent favorite against Virtus Pro right now. What what's happening, man? I, I'm confused a bit by that too. I obviously saw VP just kind of stomp through a lot of the. A lot of DSL one leagues, so that's kind of interesting to me. I haven't kept up with 100% of the games, but just to see that overall favoritism towards Team Liquid now, I guess VP just kind of shit the bed on the on the, in the Pushka League. Like, obviously, I saw their finish wasn't ideal, but that's pretty heavily favored towards one side or the other. And I also think Team Liquid has kind of given me the Alliance vibes, where sometimes <laughs> they look really solid. They're obviously more of a you know secured concrete team and everything, but uh, I'd probably take Virtus Pro at those odds. Yeah, Virtus Pro, they're 0-4 so far, the 0-2 in series in this uh, in this group stages, but Liquid's 1-2. Nah, 
So yeah. they're going to make a comeback. You know, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, uh, neither team – like, what I mean by my prediction is it's not like I think Virtus Pro is, like, unstoppable or anything. It's just, like, I don't think Team Liquid's, like, decisively way better. <laughs> Tr- you know, that, Trust me, that, I agree. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's where I'm coming from. Usually when I think that way, I'll always go for the team that gives me better chances or better odds, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I, I'm going to say Team Liquid still. I – V, yeah, v, VP just, again, that, that 0-4 record. Now, granted, it was against Secret and then NIP. Um, of course, uh, especially Secret, not surprised there, NIP. A solid team, too. But uh, Liquid, they, they went on a little bit of a downhill this last later on the week, and now it's time to go back uphill. So th- that's my logic, which is horrible logic, so you should not be listening to me in terms of actually putting the bet down. But uh, let's go Liquid for that one. Uh, then that leads us to the final match for tomorrow for the uh, Dota Pit event. That's going to be Team Secret versus Team Spirit. And uh, as you may guess, it is, let's just say it's heavily favored for Team Secret. Uh, for every no. for, for every dollar you put on, you can get a $1.05 for Team Secret. So uh, 1.05 for Team Secret and then 7.60 for Team Spirit. That's, uh, I mean, potential to make some, uh, make some money there, but... Let's be honest, the chances of Team Sphere winning is pretty much nothing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going with Secret in this one. If I had a dollar, I'd probably put it on Team Spirit because I don't care about losing that one dollar and I'd be excited about 760. But if I had like a hundred dollars, I'd probably put it on Team Secret and, and for the most part, accept my free free five dollars. So uh, that that's kind of how I look at these kind of bets. I also don't like betting on these series because like the the payoff for betting against like the the favorite is like so high risk and the bet for paying for the or like the payoff for the for the favorites like just nothing so mm-hmm. it's kind of how i look at it interesting here knoxville's actually given his input in chat as we're as we're doing this here he's uh, what did he say he said for the first one's a hellraiser slightly uh he's favoring og in the alliance series he likes that he got vp and against liquid and then uh yet yeah, no uh he says he's favoring Pupper in the Secret versus Spirit matchup there, a.k.a. Uh, Puppy Team Secret. So Pupper. <laughs> good old Puppers. He can call him Pupper, apparently. He's, he has a good relationship with them. All right, there you go. Again, Midnight.com. Check it out, guys. Uh, that is going to start wrapping it up for our show, though. A good uh, hour or so of content. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, before we start wrapping up, one more reminder, guys, hit that follow button, hit that sub button, even on the channel. It does help support us as well as the other uh, podcasts that are under this predictions, esports umbrella. So we do appreciate any and all support we can get. Uh, but BSJ, as always, anything else? Nope. I'm good for me. All right. Knoxville, big shout out to Knoxville for joining us once. I don't know why I'm doing the peace sign, but thank you for joining us, uh, Knoxville, on the podcast. I uh, really do appreciate it and definitely would love to have him on once again uh, in the future, if he wants, of course. Uh, but uh, that is going to do it for this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in, whether it's live or on a, any podcast audio platform that you're listening to. Really do appreciate it. Once again, I was Breaky CPK, joined by BSJ. We will see you guys next week on the Wombacama podcast. Until then, have a good night. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.